Hello and welcome to episode 75 of the Big Picture Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Melogunde. In this episode, I'll be talking about the delicate balance between security and privacy in terms of how geofence warrants are being used to arrest the rioters that breached the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. Thank you for your time. Let's get to it. So according to an article that was published by Mark Harris in Wired magazine on Thursday, September 30, 2021, court documents suggested that the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, has been using controversial geofence warrants at a scale that has not been seen publicly before, which has now led to the collection of account information and location data on hundreds of devices that were inside the U.S. Capitol during a deadly invasion by a right-wing mob on Wednesday, January 6, 2021. So in episode 53, I covered the unfortunate arrest and incarceration of 23-year-old Jorge Molina by police officers in Avondale, Arizona back in 2018. He was wrongly arrested and jailed for a crime he did not commit based on data that was obtained from Google. So what happened was that Mr. Molina lent an old phone to the man that the police officers later arrested, and the phone was still signed in to his Google account as of the time the crime was committed. The information about Mr. Molina's phone came from a geofence warrant, which is a relatively new and increasingly popular investigative technique that police departments use to track suspects' locations. Traditionally, police first identify a suspect, then they issue a warrant to search the suspect's homes or belongings. Geofence warrants, however, work in reverse. Police start with a time and location, then they request data from Google or other tech companies about any devices that were in that particular area at that particular time. Google and the other tech companies then typically supply anonymous data on those identified devices. So geofence warrants are intended to locate anyone in a given area using digital services and, understandably, Google has been the target for many geofence warrants because its location technologies, which leverage GPS, Wi-Fi, and Bluetooth signals to pinpoint a phone within a few yards, are powerful and widely used. While Google receives over 1,000 geofence warrants for location data in the U.S. per year, those covering the Capitol breach have been particularly productive, apparently enabling the FBI to build an extensive searchable database in its hunt for the rioters. Investigators can can and do also serve warrants on phone companies. However, cell phone towers can only locate phones within about three quarters of a mile. Therefore, while court documents suggest that the FBI collected cell tower records for thousands of devices that were inside the Capitol during the riot, it is actually Google's data that offers a much higher degree of accuracy. It was the Washington Post that first reported the first ever use of a geofence warrant, and others have previously noted specific instances of investigations that used Google's geolocation data. It was, however, Wired magazine that found 45 federal criminal cases that cited Google geolocation data to place suspects inside the U.S. Capitol on January 6, including at least six cases where the identities of the suspects appear to have been unknown to the FBI prior to the use of the geofence warrant. One of these six cases involved a serving Chicago police officer. So as I mentioned earlier, geofence warrants are essentially a fishing expedition. Investigators know roughly where and when a crime was committed, and they want to know who might have been nearby at the time. 
as this would normally include innocent people and bystanders, Google requires law enforcement to go through a three-step process to access that information. So first, a geofence warrant seeks an anonymized list of devices tracked within a specific area at a specific time. Investigators then use that list to focus on tracks that look suspicious, and they can ask Google to expand the time frame or the geofence boundaries on only those devices. Finally, investigators can go back to Google to unmask the real name, email address, phone number, and other information of just a few account holders. Courts can even deny geofence warrant requests that are too broad, and they have done so in the past, albeit in rare cases. However, where a typical geofence expedition might catch only one or two suspects, the January 6th investigation appears to have caught several suspects. Court documents show that the initial Google geofence warrant included the U.S. Capitol building and the stairs leading down to the Capitol Plaza. They also reveal that the FBI had access to personal information about many of their owners within days or weeks, including at least the account name, email address, and phone number. So journalists from Wired magazine spoke with legal experts regarding the geofence warrant in the January 6 investigations. None of them had heard of any cases where the personal data for devices in a geofence warrant had been unmasked at this scale. According to Matthew Toxin, a law professor and Fourth Amendment expert at the University of Utah, what might have happened is that the FBI got the anonymized data and they just got back in touch with Google saying that they suspect 90% of these people so Google should hand over their IDs. Or it may have been that an atypical warrant where they requested Google to hand over not only the phone numbers, but also the associated account names because they think they had probable cause on most of them. So regardless of how the FBI obtained the information, court documents show that before the end of January, the FBI had a trove of personal data from Google that it could use to easily identify suspects or to confirm their presence inside the Capitol within a relatively narrow window of time. Investigators first ex excluded anyone that was authorized to be in the Capitol on January 6, including members of Congress and their staff, law enforcement officers, first responders, and government employees. So that left the FBI with a set of Google accounts and related data to search as its investigations proceeded. For example, court documents say that Jeffrey Register deleted photographs of his time in the Capitol and even claimed to have factory reset his phone in the days after the breach to obscure his tracks, but that was a bit too late. FBI agents appear to have identified him from the Google geofence data in January and they used his driver's license photo to confirm his alleged appearance in a video that was shot inside the Capitol building during the riot. Mr. Register has not plead, has pleaded not guilty to four charges relating to entering and disorderly conduct within the Capitol. Additional evidence from the geofence warrant also appears to have enabled more sophisticated data mining. For example, on Tuesday, March 2nd, the FBI learned of a YouTube video showing people within the Capitol on January 6, including a white woman who was wearing a jacket from a plumbers and pipe fitters union in Joliet, Illinois. So FBI agents searched the Capitol Bridge geofence data for all phones having Joliet's 815 area code, and they found six records. Two of those six 815 records were attributed to women, and one of those names was Amy Schubert, 
and Mrs. Schubert's public pro um, Facebook profile photo matched the woman in the video. Identifying her led the FBI to her husband, John Schubert, who is a previously unknown suspect who allegedly appeared in a different video. On Monday, September 20, John and Amy Schubert were charged with four counts of entering the U.S. Capitol and they both pleaded not guilty. Another suspect that the FBI seems to have originally identified using the Google Geofence data was Carol Trishok, whose phone Google placed inside the Capitol between 2.37 p.m. and 3.24 p.m. on January 6. When the FBI ran Mr. Trishok's name through publicly available resources, they found a Chicago police officer with the same name. In addition, the Chicago Police Department confirmed that Mr. Trishok's home phone number was the same as the one Google had captured. So using a traditional FBI search warrant, the FBI then obtained full geolocation and communication records from Mr. Trishok's Google account, which showed him allegedly traveling from Chicago to Washington, D.C., and admitting in a series of texts and picture messages that he had been in the Capitol building that day. Mr. Trishak pleaded not guilty to five charges, including violent entry in a Capitol building. So for multiple suspects, the FBI eventually gathered a broad set of Google data, including recovery phone numbers and email addresses and dates on which the accounts were created and last accessed. Some court filings even note that FBI agents could see a field called user deleted locations, although its meaning was not explained. It is unclear whether this data came from the initial geofence warrant, a follow-up warrant, or traditional warrants that were obtained after the suspect had been identified. Legal experts say that if, as it appears, the US Department of Justice used the geofence warrant data to build a searchable database of suspects, that would be the first known instance of that happening. So according to Tim O'Brien, a tech industry executive currently working on artificial intelligence policy at Microsoft and who also studied geofence warrants at the University of Washington Law School, it does sound unusual, but it's worth noting that this whole circumstance is unusual. He said if he were law enforcement, he would argue that the three-step process is unnecessary in this case because the moment you set foot inside the Capitol, you either, become, you either became a suspect or a witness. Other experts see this as a slippery slope. So a digital forensics lawyer who asked not to be named said that when law enforcement officers and prosecutors see what geofence warrants do in an unusual case, it normally spills over and then becomes the usual case. The lawyer thinks that not only will you see this in complex murder cases, but you would also start seeing it in relatively simpler crimes like car, the car theft, and there will be no restrictions henceforth. So a statement from Google itself says, quote, we have a rigorous process for geofence warrant that is designed to protect the privacy of our users while supporting the important work of law enforcement. To the extent we disclose any data in response to a geofence warrant, we always produce the identified data as the initial step in the process. Then any production of additional information is a separate step as mandated by the warrant or a new court order, end quote. Google also noted that gag orders often accompany court orders to prevent the recipient from discussing them. Geofence warrants are usually filed before defense counsels become involved. They are often sealed from public scrutiny for years, and there has been no substantial litigation over their constitutionality or use. 
the law governing them, which is the Stored Communications Act, was passed way back in 1986, long before the use of smartphones, Wi-Fi, or the widespread use of GPS, and that law has not been significantly updated since then. Instead, Google and the U.S. Department of Justice's Computer Crime and Intellectual Property Section, CCIPS, quietly came up with their own framework for processing geofence warrants, which most courts have now accepted. So according to Matthew Toxin, the law professor from the University of Utah, the fact that Google at least makes the Department of Justice obtain search warrants for its data is a significant first step. But if we depend on tech giants to protect people's privacy against the government, that is a very shaky proposition. He added that these companies rely heavily on the government for business and will therefore avoid anything that can lead them to being regulated to death. So far, in connection with the capital breach on Wednesday, January 6, 2021, over 600 people have now been arrested. At least 185 people have been charged, and the most recent criminal complaint that used Google's geofence data was filed during the week of September 20. The link to the list of defendants charged in federal court in Washington, D.C., related to crimes committed at the U.S. Capitol is provided in the show notes for this episode. So meanwhile, the secret capital breach geofence warrants have yet to be identified themselves. Back in April, the New York Times thought it had tracked one secret geofence warrant down and filed a motion to unseal it, but the warrant turned out to be for an unrelated undercover investigation of drug trafficking activities in the Northern District of California. So that's all I have for this episode of The Beat Picture. The production, editing, fact-checking, audio engineering, and graphic design were done by yours truly, Bidemiologude. Please join me again on the next episode as I continue with a deep dive on cybersecurity topics, news, events, and incidents, and the lessons we can learn from them for robust cyber threat intelligence and awareness in our daily lives. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review The Beat Picture Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Tune in radio or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, please share the show with anyone you think might benefit from the show. For questions, comments, or any suggestions, please send an email to bidemi at thebeatpicture.com. You can also get in touch on Twitter at bidpicture, as well as on the Clubhouse app at bid or on the Wisdom app at bidemi. Please remember to leave a review for the podcast if your platform allows you to do so. Thank you for your time. See you on the next episode. Bye for now.